I would say so. Was the air horn really necessary? For comedy, absolutely. It's all for science. Just for his own comedy. I love how he did like almost like the free throw. Right. He was just like Jordan, like no look. Right. Swish. For sure. Yo, she's nailing this. <laughs> you have so He's getting pissed. I like this trailer a lot more than the yes. first one. So I'm clearly nailing it at all these things. Thunderclap! The clap! She clapped! Life as a lawyer, I, I respect that. He doesn't mean that. I love that they break <laughs> the fourth wall. Like, oh, I know. It's that, so good. It's going to be so much fun. More and more eccentric superhumans are coming out of the woodwork. There's your boy! Run, man, let's go! Tony Stark 2.0! And I want the She-Hulk to be the face of Jennifer Waters. Jennifer This man tried to kill my cousin, Bruce. Yeah, that's quite all right. Oh. He hates yeah, Bruce so it's much. People only care because I'm representing Emil Bonsky. I think they care because they're like, hey, that girl's green. <laughs> hey. Oh, cow. I'm not proud of this. <laughs> I am proud of you. This Walt is. I am a lawyer. Mm. We do things by the book. Oh, the book of Ashanti. No, the book of American <laughs> uh, laws. The book of Constitution. Whether you like it or not, you're now a superhero. Let's do this. Friend you had in high school who was way cooler than you were, attractive, got all the attention from everyone. Hello. I was that friend. Just I jealous. feeling? <laughs> I think he actually is jealous. Frog <laughs> man. I'm gonna it's enjoy this. Man oh, oh, damn. It's the man who Let's go. Frogman and Daredevil? <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Feige. You treat me too well. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to New Rockstars. She-Hulk released a new trailer at Comic-Con for its nine-episode season coming August 17th, and we are going to break down everything in this trailer. The appearances of Daredevil, the Book of Ashanti, and our man Frogman joining yeah, us today. Frogman! Let's go, Frog Squad! Stand up right now! He's flying, guys. <laughs> he has a jetpack. My life is complete. My God. Now, as this becomes our She-Hulk after show, I'm not sure yet what uh, call to arms we're gonna do at the beginning of the episode, but for now, we're gonna try out Holy, Holy She-Hulk! She <laughs> the title. Are like, hmm. This is Inside Marvel, New Rockstar's weekly Marvel reaction show. Comic-Con gave us so much news about Marvel phases five and six, but closing out phase four will be She-Hulk and Wakanda Forever. And from August through October, this show will be our She-Hulk after show. So we wanted to do a preview episode here to tag team this trailer breakdown. I'm Eric Voss, I'm here with MT. I am so ready for Frogman season and also She-Hulk season, of course, because I love She-Hulk, but Frogman season is here. I'm just, I cannot wait to see 
how Jennifer Walters helps him out of a uh, legal trouble because uh, he's gonna get himself into legal trouble. He's gonna he's gonna fight people. I mean, is this really just? A Frogman after show? Like, should we just change it to What the Frog? I think so. What the Frog? <laughs> I think What the Frog would be amazing. I would love it. What the Frog? Like, so just a quick reminder, She-Hulk, of course, nine episode series following Jennifer Walters' cousin of Bruce Banner. She becomes She-Hulk. She's an attorney and an Avenger who spends most of her time in Hulk form. She's known for really her meta humor, her sexual empowerment, her badassery. This season is going to be formatted as a half hour legal comedy, tonally akin to shows like Ally McBeal or maybe the Netflix Jessica Jones, you know, with the case of the week structure that highlights different aspects of the Marvel world. She gets her Hulk powers in the comics from a blood transfusion from her cousin Bruce, but in the show we have yet to really see how exactly she will acquire these. Jennifer Walters is an attorney who has accidentally taken in the Hulk's blood. So let's break down the She-Hulk trailer detail by detail. I found uh, 20 details specifically uh, that I want to talk about each of them with you, MT. Um, so really we open with this moment of Hulk blaring an air horn to Hulk out his cousin Jen Walters as she wakes up and he reveals that she reverts to Jen form when she sleeps, telling us something new about She-Hulk's power set. MT... Why do you think that's the case? Why does she go back to Jen form when she sleeps? That's actually a really interesting thing because like, it seems like Jen has a lot more control over her Hulk powers than Bruce. And I feel like Bruce is sort of getting jealous of that in the trailer. Um, but like, it seems that, you know, rather with, with Bruce, like his alter ego is just like, takes control whenever he wants to sort of, and he has to struggle with that. But with her, it seems more like a choice. It's like a conscious decision. All right, if I'm awake, I'm going to choose to become the green version of myself because I like this better than me, but better than my my regular version. So I think it's just more so more of control over her, her over that other side of herself than Bruce. Um, because like she probably had less gamma radiation exposure than Bruce had. Because like in the comics, it was a blood transfusion that changes her into She-Hulk. Whereas with with Bruce with Bruce Banner, he got that full dose of radiation, which caused him to go full Hulk out. So I think it's probably just like a difference of dosage here that uh, makes it more manageable for her. But what do you think? Can I drop a theory on you right now? Is drop it too it. early? Drop it for, now! For theory <laughs> corner. Okay, so Wong shows up in this, right? Talks about the precipice, talks about the the uh, Book of Vishanti. What did Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness teach us about what we do when we dream? We visit the alternate lives of True. our alternate selves across the multiverse. True. Maybe Jen's consciousness going into a multiverse where she doesn't have this gamma radiated blood is why her consciousness reverts her back to Jen form while she sleeps. Oh, that would make a lot of sense, I feel, with Jen's character because, like, I feel like she really doesn't like herself. And, like, she doesn't like her actual non-Hulk self. So, like, I feel like she would have maybe nightmare dreams about being normal. <laughs> so, like, her brain is just like, all right, let's be normal now because, like, we're having our nightmares of being normal uh, in the multiverse. So, like, yeah, no, I, I love that theory a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, I, oh, I, I do, don't know I how likely it. it is. I just, I, I love this idea that maybe the multiverse has some uh, important impact on why She-Hulk is exactly the way she is in this show. Right. I'm probably setting my, I'm already pointing to the stands with a baseball bat. I don't think we're <laughs> going to get there. I, I, but, a, but a boy can dream. I actually have more thoughts on what, how that might manifest. But um, I just like how in this opening imagery, we're already seeing some improved aspects of She-Hulk's design. You know, they have some more green in her hair. And I think really this moment works better, not necessarily because like, uh, because they put more time into rendering her face. And, you know, by the way, I think everyone should read the vulture piece on, uh, 
the relationship between Marvel and their VFX artists. We're learning some interesting stuff about that process. Not great. But um, but I think what works here, and this is what I want to, I hope we see more of in the MCU, is it's fueled by the emotion. Her anger gets the spotlight. And it's, it's a joke in the moment. And we're willing to just go with it because we're connecting with the character in this moment. It's just so funny to hear a character scream, the words, a normal amount of rage. <laughs> it's just like so funny. And so because we're laughing and connecting with her in that moment, we're less scrutinizing. And in fact, run this experiment with yourself when you're watching, everybody who's watching this, rewatch that clip and then just pause. And then once you're paused and you're taken out of the joke, then you start to just naturally scrutinize the VFX more than you would as you're just watching it. And it's just reminded everyone watching, just don't worry about pausing it. Leave the pausing frame by frame to me and MT. Yes. We'll do that for you. <laughs> we'll do but that at You one. just sit back and watch and enjoy it and experience the character's emotions vicariously. And I think you're going to enjoy it a lot more that way. That's how it's meant to be processed. Yeah. And like the CG isn't even that bad. I feel like people are just overblowing it. Bad, and no. like people have to yeah. also keep in mind that Jennifer Walters wears green makeup. So like her face is not going to look like the Hulks. She's purposely putting on green makeup. To look different. So it's putting on green foundation. Yeah. Yes. It's different. It's different. So there's less detail. And yes. I think it was the quarter crew uh fellas who actually pointed that out that uh, female faces in media in general are are have more makeup on them. So like the indentations that our brains associate with being more lifelike are not as visible on a woman's face in general on screen. Next, we get this uh, boulder throwing contest between the cousins. And I really like specifically the gesture of the way Hulk does it. Right. It's like throwing a, a, a free throw. You know, yeah. he does like the, yeah, the Larry Bird or whatever the hook. No, the uh, 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 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hook, you know, kind of the, kind of, <laughs> the I watch winning time. I know basketball, kind of. <laughs> uh, but the detail I think is interesting is Hulk says this is a multi-year journey you're about to embark on. And it, this line just feels like a promise that She-Hulk is going to join the Avengers in upcoming events like Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars events. What do you think, MT? I definitely think that, you know, that's that's definitely the goal. Like, She-Hulk's for sure going to join the Avengers down the line. But I think that, you know, him saying that was Bruce's intention. Like, he wanted her to be a hero. And, like, I don't think that Jen wants to be a hero. I think she wants to be a lawyer. And uh, I think that um, throughout this season, we're going to see that her, her constant interaction with all these superpowered people, kind of, it's kind of forced her to be a hero, even though she doesn't want to be. And, um, you know, we see that uh, Bruce Banner is just sort of like, I guess you could be a lawyer if you don't want, if you want to be a hero. And it's just like, yeah, like I can totally see Bruce wanting a sidekick or like, so, like a partner to fight crime with him. Cause like, he just, he doesn't want to feel like a beast alone, you know? And like Jen just wants to own her stuff as a lawyer, which I don't blame her. Like, why would you want to be a hero in, in the MCU? It's terrible. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Um, no, I like that interpretation a lot, MT. And I think immediately that is the context of this scene is uh, he's kind of putting her through Avengers boot camp, and she's deciding whether or not this is right for her. Uh, but I think there is a wink to us here. Like, of all the new Avengers that are joining the Avengers lineup, I don't really know what the lineup's going to look like in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. The fact that um, Daniel Destin Cretton is directing Kang Dynasty uh, implies that Shang-Chi's probably going to be part of that lineup, I would imagine. Um, but is it is you know Kamala Khan going to play with them, or is she going to be playing with the Young Avengers? Is, is Anthony Mackie, Captain America, going to be a part of that lineup? Probably. Is Bucky going to be part of it? Like, who... Who is going to make up the Avengers? And are we going to like them as much as we did the Infinity Saga Avengers? Um, either way, the fact that like 
presumably the Fantastic Four and the X-Men are also going to be part of that. Um, I think either way, we're going to be happy with it. Oh, for but sure. it's it puts a lot of weight on these shows to make us fall in love with these characters right away, you know? Yeah, um, like for sure. I feel like these shows are introducing a lot of like really fun side characters that like they're they're gearing up for a an Avengers type situation. Like, you know, your Frogmans and like your Titanias and like your all them like they're going to shove them all into an Avengers movie. And I'm, I'm wondering if like because we have so many new Marvel heroes that like we might have like a, a separate Avengers situation where like we have one Avengers movie where like we have dealing with like the half of the Avengers where the, the another Avengers movie where we're dealing with the other half of the Avengers. I don't know. Um, but Secret Wars seems like yeah. it's going to be obviously a huge multiverse event, so probably not likely. Yeah, Secret anyway. Wars is going to bring everyone into the sandbox for sure. Literally, I think you're everybody. Something, though. <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I think I love this idea that maybe when the adults have to go fight Kang through the time stream, you might have the young Avengers left on Earth having to deal with something else. Right. And like Kate Bishop could lead that. You know. Yeah, I really want to see that scenario. You just want to see anything with Kate Bishop. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm biased. I know I'm biased. I love me some Kate <laughs> Bishop, but like, I do want to see like the the young Avengers or or like the West Coast Avengers really grow into their own and have their own conflict that they have to fight and prove themselves. Like, yeah, we're just as good as like the the old heads. Like, we can do this. Yeah, uh, for sure. Let's move on to the third detail. Uh, we actually pointed this out in the first trailer. Bruce tries to provoke Jen's power by putting her in this torture chamber with buzz saws that are labeled with Stark Industries. That now you can see this cool detail. She flattens them with her hand. I just love the way that metal smushes. Right. But I just want to know, MT, for what reason does Stark Industries design these buzz saws? They're a weapons manufacturer. Does this prove that Stark <laughs> Industries was involved with torture? This has Quentin Beck all over it. <laughs> When Quentin Beck was part of Stark Industries, he was like, check out this new invention I made. And Tony was like, you're unhinged. You're fired. Um, <laughs> but no, like, that's a really good question. I don't, I couldn't even tell you. Like, maybe it was designed to maybe, like, contain Bruce, should he ever Hulk out. Or, like, maybe it was, like, his, his one of his first attempts to stop Bruce. But, like, I don't know. That's a weird torture, choky device. The choky? Do you just make a Matilda reference? Yes. It looks like the chokey. Um, it's just as intimidating. It does. It is. <laughs> it totally is. It's a reminder that pre-phase one, Tony Stark was involved in war crimes and torture. Yeah, lots he, of uh, he should be put to death. <laughs> he did it himself. He did society a yeah. favor. Okay. I think my at least second favorite moment from this trailer, the thunderclap. Yes. Uh, and I love Hulk doing this in the comics. We only have seen this once in the MCU, the 2008 film with Ed Norton, when he's fighting Abomination. But when Joss Whedon redesigned the character for 2012's Avengers, they kind of did away with those classic aspects of the character. Now, but what I love about this, when you pause on the clap, there is a green glow. Now, MT... Normally, the thunderclap is just supposed to be Hulk's hands are so strong or mm. they move so fast that they kind of right. a, create a sonic boom. And that's what it is. But the fact that this glow is green makes me wonder, could there be a release of radiation that fuels the, uh, that fuels the thunderclap? I love that observation. I love that a lot. And I think that that's very likely the case here. Because, like, uh, like the, clap, the Hulk's claps are definitely strong. But, like, there has to be an extra kick that makes it, like, super extra powerful because, like, so Wind don't blow like that. Little, exactly. A little, little some like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I definitely think that there's uh, gamma radiation in those uh, in those thunderclaps for sure. It's a good, oh, man, that's such a good, uh, good, good spot. 
We'll be talking a lot about, again, just trust me and MT to pause these things. Exactly. We'll find these details for you. <laughs> okay, fifth detail. There's this moment where Jen breaks the fourth wall, and let's roll the clip. If you want to go back to your life as a lawyer, I, I respect that. He doesn't mean that. Okay, I consider this a fleabag moment, and indeed, the show's producers confirmed that they actually drew from Phoebe Waller-Bridge's amazing comedy series Fleabag. You gotta watch this show. She did like one season like several years ago, and then like we didn't think that there would be a second season, and then like six years later, she does another season, and hey, it's hey. even better. And She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall in the comics as well, but I just like how visually they're kind of using the exact blocking and the timing that Phoebe Waller-Bridge did on that show, uh, specifically with the way Hulk also turns around wondering who she's talking to. It's a recreation of the wildest moment in Fleabag that scared the hell out of me when Andrew Scott, who plays the sexy priest on the show, reveals that he can also see when Fleabag talks to the camera. Let's roll the clip. He's been knowing Ashley. What is that? What? That thing that you're doing, it's like you disappear. What? What are you not telling me? Nothing. Tell me what's going on underneath Nothing. There. Tell me. Come on. No. You tell me. Nothing. Ah, Nothing. Stop being so touchy. But I want to ask you, MT, do you think Jen's breaking of the fourth wall could be part of what I was referring to earlier, a multiverse syndrome condition? Mm. And that this could be a specific trait that she shares with Deadpool, a kind of mutation aspect. When Deadpool enters the MCU, because the because the multiverse, because incursions have been incurring. She and Wade Wilson have this ability to break through the fourth wall and talk to us. Or at least from everyone else's point of view, they're just like, they're talking to no one right now, but they're actually talking to us. I would dig that a lot. I would really dig that, like, you know, what if, like, something happens chemically in your brain that allows you to connect with, a, a like, a, a being or an entity outside of your reality? And, like, I feel like, you know, like you said, Deadpool, She-Hulk, and maybe even um, Gwenpool. Um, she, I believe mm. she breaks the fourth wall as well. So like having that be like, oh yeah, there's a scientific explanation sort of for breaking the fourth wall. I think that'd be really fun. I, I really hope that that's actually the case because I would, I would dig that a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, what I love about doing this or one of the many things I love about doing what we do is like when these shows start to bring in details and parallels from other shows that new rockstar subscribers might not have even heard of or watched, it gives us an opportunity to shout those out and right. like. I would love to do a series just breaking down um, non-Marvel movies, but having Marvel directors and actors, you know, like doing a series on Taika Waititi's other movies that have nothing to do with the MCU or like uh, that movie. Uh, there's a movie Wind River that has Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen in it. And this is after Age of Ultron came out. But like Jeremy Renner plays like a local guide on an Indian reservation where there has been a sexual assault and Elizabeth Olsen plays like a federal agent who has to investigate it. And it's like one of my favorite movies that's come out in the past eight years and it has nothing to do with Marvel and I would love to break it down. And uh, I recommend it to everybody. Um, Ooh, that because so there are other great movies out there with these talented people that- Impossible, it's only the MCU. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to uh, the sixth detail. Jen works for the legal firm GLK and H, which I pointed out in past videos, stands for Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway, named after Marvel Comics founders Martin Goodman, Stan Lee, Lieber, and Jack Kirby, born uh, 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 Jack Kurtzberg. Um, but Holden Holloway is the still active partner on this firm that we see in this show. Uh, he's playing Jen's boss. There's nothing really discussed there. I just want, kind of want to tell people the history there. It's a good detail. We get a new shot of Frogman flying away Woo! with some rocket-propelled boots. And MT, I give you the floor. What do you want to tell us about Frogman? 
Dude, Frogman's the truth, man. That's all you need to know. Like, Frogman is going to be MCU's kick-ass. Like, if you enjoyed the kick-ass films with uh, Matthew Vaughn, like, that's all I see Frogman. He's a dude that, like, he sees Spider-Man and he's like, yo, I want to be a hero too. Why can't I do it? And so he just puts out a frog-themed costume and he goes out and and fights crime and Spider-Man keeps trying to get him to not do that because he's going to get himself killed. (laughs) Um, In the comics, he's a lot more ridiculous, which is why I love him. But in the MCU, it seems like Kevin Feige and the showrunners here are making him super badass, like making him sort of like a Power Rangers-esque, giving him a Power Rangers-esque suit, giving him a jetpack and like having him fly around like Iron Man. Like this, I feel like they hopefully have some big plans for Frogman in the future. I need to see a Frogman TV show um, in my lifetime uh, before I die, because uh, I just feel like he's just a really badass character that we're going to be introduced to in this show. I cannot wait. Yes, I'm so glad that they brought him in. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, the eighth detail. A prospective client jumps out of a window and then lands safely, because he's superpowered on a Higman security car. Now, there are two details here. Higman is a nod to an art department crew member, Kyle Higman. Way to get yourself in the MCU there, Kyle. Nice. And then this actor is actually Dave Pasquese, legendary improv comedian, and the same actor who played the Twi'lek Major Domo in the book of Boba Fett. Remember this guy who was just spitting acid whenever he could be <laughs> with his passive aggression to Boba Fett. Like, oh, I will have to get back to you on that. And he scoots away in his speeder. I love him. This guy... I can't get enough of Dave Pasquese. He's, He's so, so funny and so talented. Okay, so then there's this moment where there's a Judge Price who transforms into a cackling elf. And this transformation looks a lot like the cloaking magic that Loki uses, where it just kind of uh, bleeds over their body. Uh, and if this is a trial that Jen is working, the whole thing could actually be a sham, you know, with with all parts of it uh, shapeshifted. Um, now, MT, do you think Asgardian witches or sorcerers could tie into this series? I think for sure um, Asgardians will show up in this series because like we, as we saw in Thor Love and Thunder, like Asgard seems to be a, a play, like a home for not just Asgardians, but for all people ac- across the galaxy, across the universe, like different types of aliens. Um, as you know, Korg sort of mentioned at the end of uh, the third movie is like, hey, it's going to be a, a haven for all peoples. And so like since like Earth has aliens and since like the, the end of Avengers Endgame introduced more aliens through the portals, like they have Ravagers and all that. The Earth is just filled with all sorts of new people. And I feel like Asgardian witches and sorcerers could definitely tie into the types of people that show up into uh, Jen's line of work. I love that theory, MT, that like someone m- might have like fled or left new Asgard. And that could be some of the uh, the political turmoil, the drama that like Valkyrie has to deal with. Like there's people who are like, I don't want to live in Norway. It's too cold up here. So then they move right. to LA and then they get into all kinds of trouble with their powers that they have. Right. So 10th detail, as Jen gets gawked at in a law firm, one attorney just has a wall full of comics covers. It's kind of hard to see which comics they are. I just thought it's it's always interesting to see comic books show up in the MCU. I love it's like, it. You know, the kids in the first Cap film are reading the Cap comic. It's interesting to see like, these character stories and the Avengers legends within this world all be canonized as these comics. I dig it. And like, it's, it definitely leaves the room open for Sentry because in the comics, 
Sentry has his own comics in the Marvel comics. So, like, I would love That's to right. see if a Sentry one popped up. Oh, I would cry. It would be amazing. All right. We want to thank some friends who, who helped us make this episode. Thanks to Brooklyn Inn for sponsoring this episode of Inside Marvel. All this incredible Comic-Con news has been heating up our summers. Luckily for us, Brooklyn Inn is here to keep you cool and living in comfort with their best-selling bedding, loungewear, towels, and more. Brooklyn Inn gives its customers hotel-level home essentials. They offer everything from snuggly sheets to cozy towels and robes, loungewear, accessories, and more. By working directly with suppliers, Brooklyn Inn cuts out the luxury markups and passes those savings back to their customers. And they have new products, colors, and patterns all the time for their sheets, towels, and robes. They even have some limited edition collections that sell out really fast. Make your entire bed feel like the cool side of the pillow with Brooklyn and signature crisp, breathable, classic percale sheets. Replace your heavy winter bedding with their lightweight comforters for the ultimate breezy, light as a cloud feel. The smooth, long staple cotton will keep you feeling cool at night. And if you're not sure where to start, you can shop with ease thanks to Brooklyn's online quiz. Their quiz is the best place to find a curated list of high-quality products perfectly suited for your unique preferences. So head over to Brooklyn today to keep you cool at home and on the go all summer long. Go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code InsideMarvel to get $20 off your purchase of $100 or more in free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter the promo code InsideMarvel for $20 off in free shipping. The news from Comic-Con has confirmed that the, that the number of MCU phases isn't the only thing that's growing. You guessed it. This episode also brought to you by Blue Chew. Fellas! Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from some extra confidence when it's time to perform, Bluetooth can help. And we've got a special deal for our fans. Try Bluetooth free when you use our special promo code of MARVEL at checkout. Just pay the $5 in shipping. That's Bluetooth.com. Promo code MARVEL to receive your first month free. Visit Bluetooth.com for more details and important safety information and we thank bluetooth for sponsoring this podcast empty it's just so funny to be talking about boners when there's you with the frog <laughs> hat this is boner fuel eric what do you mean did you did you make the frog wink by, by oh no like this one eye? was like leaning back i was like i gotta make sure that it's in frame i thought you were making him wink oh yes let's just say it's a wink wink and we want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. Are you looking for a simple way to get an all-in-one daily nutritional insurance? With one scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, and your immune system. Our very own Tommy Bechtold and the rest of the break room crew started adding AG1 to their daily routine, and they've been loving it. Tommy says it tastes great, and it's easy to drink first thing in the morning. AG1 supports mental clarity and alertness, as well as better sleep quality and recovery. And for every purchase, they donate to organizations to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of AG1 and a cup of water every day. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com marvel. Again, that's athleticgreens.com marvel to take ownership 
over your gut health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, MT, back to the She-Hulk trailer. There is an 11th detail I want to talk to you about. Jen gets assigned to represent Emil Blonsky, Tim Roth, aka Abomination, returning from his brawl with Hulk in the 2008 film, which Jen calls a conflict of interest. And then her boss, Mr. Holloway, just kind of brushes it off. But why do you think Holloway is so cavalier about it? Do you think he might have some other agenda? Or he's just like, here's money. It's just weird that they're partnering with the uh, prisoners at the DODC cube facility. Mm. Uh, what money does Emil Blonsky have to pay this law firm? Like, what's going on here? I, I Honestly, I feel like they're sort of um, probably following the comics a little bit and like sort of setting up the situation where Jen finds out like towards like the end of the season that the law firm law firm that the law firm um, only hired her because she was cousins with an Avenger and that she looks like an Avenger. And so like, and she, since like they're opening up this new like law firm dealing with superhuman people, they just need a superhuman representative that looks good on the company, like, like pamphlets and all that stuff, like in marketing. So I feel like she's going mm -hmm. to learn that like she, her talents are not really being used in the right way that she would want. And that she's just being used because she's green and big and like she's just a, a lawyer that let's just connected to the Hulk. I feel like they're just using her um, in their own way to sort of um, get what they want. So they're just like, yeah, whatever. We don't care if they have a conflict of interest because like that's why we hired you. That's literally your purpose. That's why you're here. Um, so that's yeah. going to suck. But I feel like they're going that route. But what, what do you think? Do you think you could be have some secret agenda here? I do. I think you're right that she's being exploited. Um, I, mm. I, But I think that the Thunderbolt's maybe behind it. I think Val Ooh. could be behind it. She's She's got some fancy clothes. I wouldn't be surprised if she commissioned this law firm uh, to get uh, Jennifer Walters in that facility for a specific reason. And they're Ooh. trying to uh, to either get uh, Emil Blonsky out of his legal troubles so that he can join the super team and kind of clear his name that way. Um, and there's another detail here in another shot where Jen meets with Blonsky, and then you can see some scientists in the background wearing these glowing green headbands. Now, this mm. is a facility, the Cube. We saw it briefly in Ms. Marvel when the clandestines pretty easily broke out of it. Uh, but it is run by the DODC. This place right. is shady, though. And do you think those headbands might mean this whole Cube room might be flooded with some gamma radiation to hulk out both Jen and Emil in order to test them, to make them fight in some way? Could that be why Jen was brought in? Because they're trying Ooh. to also recruit her to join the Thunderbolts. That would be fun. I would dig it a lot. I would really like that a lot. Like, it'd be really cool to see um, them just sort of, like, just sort of sabotage them both. It's like, yeah, oh, we got those two Hulk beings. Flooded with gamma radiation. Let them Hulk out. And let's see what happens. Um, but I think uh, those, like, I'm looking at the, the image right now. And, like, those girls sort of seem like they don't belong here. Like, those women in the headbands, they seem like they're, uh -huh. like, they seem like like flower headbands almost like they're they're dressed like and oh. all white and they have like flower headbands and like part of me they're rushing me, a sorority or something like that like I Yay, tried out <laughs> part of me feels like they legally have to be there because they're concerned for like the people inside of this containment facility that like they struck oh. a deal it's like hey you guys can watch us be nice to the abomination he's not being abused or anything like he's not being oh. hurt what what if they're like uh, uh, Emil's Manson cult? And they're no, like, I, I, our that, man that, Emil behind it. bars. They hired uh, the the firm to, to support it, honestly, him. Honestly, I can see that happening. It's like they, they made such a stink about Emil that they were like, all right, you guys can come see. Because like, you know, it's, they were being okay. And so like, they seem like they, they seem like they're big fans. I don't know. They just by their body language. Yeah. Like, it seems like they're fanatics. I mean, definitely by Tim Roth's body language, he's like, yeah, those are my, those yeah, are my wives. My, my <laughs> posse's over there. Don't even worry about it. 
I don't get conjugal visits yet, but they're working on it. Can In you about get me a conjugal months. visit? Come on, love. Um, okay. So onto Titania. This is Jamila Jamil's character. Hulk uh, or She-Hulk fights her in this courtroom. It's mm. uh, She-Hulk's longtime nemesis. Uh, their power sets are equally they're equally strong, roughly. But we may have seen Jamila on the DODC suspect board back Ooh. in Ms. Marvel. Now I'm wondering, do we think the MCU is going to use the DODC? It's kind of like the the government body that oversees these enhanced individuals, enhanced being their code word for mutants. And if uh, Jamila is someone they're looking for, could they establish Titania as one of these mutants? I think that that's what they might be going for. I think that like in the long run, it's going to be revealed that like anybody that's been that has enhanced powers is a mutant of some sort. And like what what specific type of mutation you are, whether it's like X gene mutation and human mutation or like, you know, um, mind stone mutation, et cetera. But that's that's like has its own those have their own labels. So like I think that Titania at the end of the day will be a mutant, but whether or not it's gonna be an XG mutant or an inhuman, that's that's meant to be like that's that'll be seen later on. But like I feel like she's definitely a mutant of some sort. I, I agree. I, I think uh, the the it sounds like it was pretty casual the way Kevin Feige was just cool with uh with Kamala Khan being identified as a mutant and the truth of that is is that like Kamala Khan by the comics creators always wanted to make her a mutant but just at that mm. era in Marvel Comics they kind of had to make her an inhuman right. uh so in some ways it was like a homecoming for the character but I think uh I think Kevin Feige is okay with establishing anyone who has like vaguely defined power sets who are just humans but enhanced. Go ahead and make him a mutant. Why not? Right. And I don't think people are that attached to like Titania or any of these characters to say like, oh, she can't be a mutant. Like that's what Marvel Comics historically has done. It's just like, you know, half of the Marvel Comics world are mutants. Right. It's true. And like, I feel like Kevin Feige has a really unique opportunity here because like he doesn't have like that long history of the comics and the long weird like messiness of like all right we don't want to include the the, the the mutants in the comics anymore. So like he can sort of like streamline the language. Whereas, like, in the comics, things have been so complicated. There's mutants, there's mutates, there's all sorts of labels, and Kevin Feige yeah. just wants to, like, really just, like, make it simple for everyone. So Street I feel like the it, MCU yeah. is going to be so much different in terms of labeling than the uh, Marvel comics there. Okay, 14th detail. This is just a little one that I want to point out on She-Hulk's social media feed. One of her flirty commenters is Tracksuit22, and he writes, <laughs> She-Hulk is hot, bro. Yeah, this is one of the tracksuits from Hawkeye. Who's a fan. I love these guys showing up everywhere. There's a, there a Trust-a-Bro so moving truck in the, the Ms. Marvel closing credits. Yes. Just, okay. Now, onto some multiverse stuff. Wong enters through a sling ring portal in this footage, and he says, We answer to a higher power. Our universe is at a precipice. And then uh, we also see Wong is actually helping her interrogate Abomination. And then we see some shots of some mystery sorcerers, one with a uh, like a fuchsia glowing mace and some other. Right. It looks like it could be like dark dimension powered sorcery uh, artifacts. Um, I, I First off, we got to talk about Wong's relationship with Abomination uh, and Shang-Chi. Right. And is this going to be, I don't know if it's set before Shang-Chi, but are we going to get some reference to like what they were doing in the Golden Daggers Club? Yeah, I feel like um, She-Hulk might take place during the blip. And that, you oh. know, like we're going to see like how Wong had a relationship with Abomination and like how they met sort of through She-Hulk and like Shang-Chi probably takes place after She-Hulk. Um, in my opinion. Oh, that's interesting. But like the glowing purple mace, like I sort of got like pandestine vibes from that, even because like we just got them introduced in this Marvel and we heard that the the red daggers were fighting the clandestines for a while. So like we could see more 
clandestines popping up in She-Hulk. Interesting. Yeah, I guess we don't know how many total clandestines there are, or if it's not the clandestines, just uh, exiles from some other dimension that has had an incursion with this dimension, you know? Yeah, you know, and that question of... I. I would just be really surprised if Marvel sets any of their phase four or beyond titles during the blip. It just seems mm. like with every time that we speculated that they're always like, no, it's just set after. You know, they, <laughs> they just want to keep moving it forward because right. I think they're afraid to set things during the blip, even though that would actually make things easier for a lot of their stories. You know, right. um, I think enough things could be set during the blip. Uh, it's just at that point, why would they you would think that they would just reveal that. Uh, right. uh in their marketing like i don't know why they and also i think the fact that la just looks so clean and the fact that like san francisco looks like complete garbage mad max universe when scott lang was running through it <laughs> I, I i think anytime like society looks okay it's implied that this is after the blip and things have kind of returned to the status quo a bit true like during the blip especially like right after um like the five years later like the the color grading was just so dim and like so ugh, everything's sad <laughs> Yeah. So, and yeah, before sure. before you uh, non-Californians say, well, isn't San Francisco a, a shithole anyway? No, I live in San Francisco and the media you have heard that San Francisco is covered in trash and garbage and whatever. It's uh, wrong. I live here. The parks are clean. It's beautiful. It's expensive. It's way too expensive <laughs> for any normal human being to live here. But there's a reason why you get what you pay for. It's a lovely place to live. And I lived in Los Angeles for 12 years before that. And yes, there's far more trash on the streets of Los Angeles. Angeles. Ooh. I love both cities. I don't want to diss either city. I'm just saying that, you know, your grandparents in the Midwest who tell you that uh, the cities in California are on fire and they're going to hell, let them think that because it's actually really nice to live here. Uh, anyway, it's just <laughs> a little talking expensive. Trash. <laughs> just Literally. a little expensive. Um, anyway, but let's talk about how Wong mentions the Book of Ashanti. He says right. that we uh, answer to a higher power. And then he uses the Book of Ashanti as kind of like his constitution that he follows. You know, And it's a book of positive spells that counteracts the Dark Hold. But the Dark Hold and the Book of Ashanti are now destroyed. Right. right. So I wonder, do you think that could have had an effect on now the MCU broadly? If, if we assume She-Hill takes place after Multiverse of Madness. Um, do you think that the... those books being gone could have been leading to some of these supernatural incursions and could be leading to all these like weird alternate realm beings now running amok that that Jennifer Walters has to deal with. I can definitely see that being a possibility for sure. Like the Book of Ashanti's destruction, I feel like is a bigger deal than um, they covered in Multiverse of Madness. I feel like like Multiverse of Madness set up potentially something bigger to happen because of the book's destruction. So I feel like that's definitely a possibility there for sure. But again, like, I definitely also feel like this is this takes place during the blip and like, you know, the Book of Ashanti hasn't been destroyed yet, which is why Wong is like, yeah, Book of Ashanti. That's totally fine. Um, I think about that all the time. Um, so, yeah, I feel like mm. it's probably said during the blip, but I don't know. I don't know. It could like, this could very well be um, like all of the weird stuff in the MCU could very well be happening because of the destruction of the Book of Ashanti. Yeah, I, I think we're the fact that Wong is in this and he's like worried about these incursions. I think the idea is that like this is just another example. We're gonna—I don't think we're gonna see like a major explanation of the multiversal crisis that we're in mm-hmm. uh, because, like, I think Phase Four—they're just like not really committing to any of that yet. We'll see more of that in like Quantum Mania and beyond, right? right. But. Uh, I I, th- I do think this is going to be set after Multiverse of Madness, and I think the, the fact that he mentions Book of Ashanti, I think that's what 
I, I think it's going to be like the dark hold is gone or like they'll mm-hmm. have some other kind of like vague language for why demons and goblins and vampires and shit are running around. Um, and we actually see some of these in this next detail, uh, detail 17. Uh, lots of like wizards, people with souped up tech. And then there's this goblin looking beast that I thought mm. was like a werewolf. It kind of reminded me of like the uh, the jackals in Moon Knight that are running across, which we still don't mm. really know. The jackals come from some like purple colored realm that we assume right. is the underworld, right? But I think that's another realm. It's another dimension. And uh, specifically the details, the fact that part of its head has these like horns or whatever that have turned black. And mm. the way the gradient looks it looks a lot like the dark holds effect on the fingertips of wanda and agatha and a3h strange so do you think this being well what do you think it is first of all do you think it could be some kind of spawn of the dark hold being destroyed no um i feel like this could definitely be like a a dark world-esque beast like a a, like a a beast of darkness but also could be um like one of those uh, gamma radiated dogs remember from the first hulk film um the one where he punched it in the balls yeah like those weird, like hulked out dogs. Like I would love to see like a hulked out like beast. That'd be so fun. Um, but yeah, no, I could definitely see this being a, a dark world creature where like the same type of like realm where those um, weird jackals came from in Moon Knight for sure. I just love to finally get some answers on like just name these things. I love that right? uh, Ms. Marvel named it the Nor Dimension. Like right. just start to give us names. Like call it anything. I don't care. Right. Okay. Just a little detail I want to point out. I love when Hulk punches She-Hulk off the ledge. She flips them off, and they yes. blur it out. Like we have to blur that out. Whatever. Um, <laughs> for the kids. I guess for the for the kitties. Um, but I just love how he punches her off screen, looking a, a lot like when Hulk punched Thor out of right. Avengers in in Grand Central Station. I He's jealous. That dude is jealous. <laughs> He's jealous. He doesn't want anyone else to get the attention. Um, okay. The final shot after the title, shows Jen meeting Daredevil as he flips over her head. He's got his batons, and he mm. has his red and gold suit. It actually looks more like his original appearance in the comics, and he's like red and yellow before he evolved into his more iconic all-red suit or the red and black looks. Um, do you think Jen and Matt Murdock will team up legally or face off legally, or is it just going to be like Daredevil makes an appearance as like one of her clients, like a vigilante that she has to represent or deal with, and really the more the legal stuff's going to be in the Born Again series with Kingpin? I feel like Jen and Matt are going to be teaming up legally, because we saw in A No Way Home that Matt was like one of the first people to show up to the super beings, Peter Parker's door. It's like, hey, let me uh, represent you, because like uh, that's what I do. Um, so I feel like um, Jen and Matt are going to be friends in and out of the suit. Well, you know, not in that way, but like, you know, maybe. Who knows? Um, maybe that way. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, um, I feel like they're they're definitely going to be uh, close friends. I hope so. I, I just want to see him in action as an attorney again, at least yes. at some point. The fact that He's we're so seeing good. him, you know, in the suit with the batons. Awesome. Very cool. But like, in, based on the tone of the show, I don't know how violent he can get. So I'm just kind of more excited to see his uh, legal acumen and right. how brilliant he is in a courtroom. Um, now, the final detail is she now in the shot has her more comic accurate spandex suit, suggesting this is going to be later in the season. Um, but we had this interesting line from the beginning of the trailer where Hulk says spandex is your friend. I right. think there might be some kind of like thematic underpinning to that, like something that can stretch, something that can be flexible uh, and just kind of roll with the punches and evolve with you as you grow is your friend and right. I, i'm curious how do you think she will get her her suit who's gonna hook her up with the suit is she gonna make it herself i think it's gonna be the hulk that makes her suit because like it, it is like like you said it's spandex and like it's very much 
like specifically made for her power set. And I feel like the person that knows her best in her power set is Bruce Banner because he's been working with her for so long. But uh, it could be anyone. What, what do you think? I think it's Rintra. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I think Rintra is going to come in there. That. And make her suit. It's def, it's it's richer confirmed at this point. I would or, love or maybe it. we meet. <laughs> maybe we meet Melvin Potter. You know, like Ooh, uh, if Daredevil's yes. in here, why not Melvin Potter too? Get you know, like that'd be fun to that'd show be, him. Hey, like Melvin made Daredevil suits. Why not? Right, but it does kind of have that spandexy design of uh, Reed Richards suit from Multiverse of Madness. So, uh, I don't know, maybe. 838 Christine Palmer shows up. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> My players are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been sewing this whole time. We will leave it there for this episode of Inside Marvel. I can't wait to react to this show every week with you, MT. I think it's Same gonna be a lot here. Of fun. It's gonna be so much fun. Be sure to follow MT at Mastertainment. Uh, you can follow me at EA Voss. Uh, subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to New Rockstars here on YouTube. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Frog Squad, let's go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>